Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming and uh, coming to you live, but obviously under social distancing guideline via Skype. <laughs> I am on this side. This is Graham, and with me, I've got the fantastic Jojo. How did you do? The great how did you do. How did you do is like your signature thing. <laughs> and I have never worn a cowboy hat, so <laughs> I don't really know what, why I've liked and embraced the howdy do quite as much as I have. But uh, whatever. <laughs> well, what about a boot? Uh, have you ever wore, worn a pair of boots like cowboy boots? Red ones, I am ash- by the way. I, I am ashamed to say that I did own a pair of red uh, yeah, suede velvet. Yeah cowboy boots with fringe and, and uh, yes. silver studs. Yeah, I'm not serious. <laughs> I did. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I don't think there's any photographic evidence. <laughs> oh, man. That's wrong then. That's wrong. But I would definitely love to see them. You will never see the light of day if I ever get to, to a picture of them. But seriously. Uh-huh. I got uh, you, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, and so uh, this week we are talking about a very damn good show. And if you haven't watched this, if you have not watched this series, you should go on and do that right now because for me, it is one of the best series I've seen this year so far. And we're only in May, so there's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know, there's seven more months to go, but with the way how Hollywood had had to shut down abruptly. I don't know that we're going to have anything of that quality for the remainder of the year. What do you think, Jojo? Yeah, I think we're probably going to see a lot of um, animation (laughs) and cartoons and (laughs) maybe some things that were like in in the tops of people's closets or they're up there dusting them off going, yeah, we can throw this out. We never, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, we didn't think that was going to work, but uh, let's just (laughs) see what people think about it. I mean, after yeah. all, this is the year where Tiger King, exactly. the Tiger King was a fucking success, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. And that would have never happened otherwise. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, I think you're right. That would have never worked out. if we There were... would have been a few people who would have watched it and been like, wow, this is crazy. But for it to be the phenomena it was, it, it required just the right recipe. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, forgive us for not having yet said what we're talking about, but we're talking about these series called Little Fires Everywhere, and uh, it is a Hulu. We don't do Hulu often, and I remember telling you this past week that I have a hard time watching stuff on Hulu, and I think it might well be because of the commercials. Like, I, Yeah, I, I think that is part of it, because I have the same problem, because it'll be something I'll be like, oh, that looks great, I want to watch that, and then I kind of 
don't. Yeah, yeah, because you're paying for a subscription service that is not cable, yet you have to be subjected to commercials. And I don't know, it's kind of hard for me. But again, I'm glad that I finally had no choice to but to sit down and watch it. And it was an absolutely fantastic watch. So... Yay! I'm glad let's, you liked it. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's get into it. So, Little Fires Everywhere is based on a book by Celeste Ng. That book came out in 2017. It was a novel, and there is a bit of you know some sort of autobiographical details there, but it's by no means the story, the personal story of Celeste Ng, but rather the telling of what she probably observed and fictionalized from the town that she grew up in. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've talked about this a couple of times in the show is that Reese Witherspoon has made it her mission in life to, you know, read good books. And if she likes them enough, she finds the, the right co-producers and producers and actors and actresses that want to be in this project and they run with it and so far i think she should be very proud of herself with all she's done isn't it yeah yeah she is definitely i i feel a force to be reckoned with she is not a i don't know i always think of her as like in legally blonde and some of the old like rom-coms and that kind of thing and you know not to be dismissive of that sort of of work but i never really honestly thought of her as being particularly serious but just sort of a light comedic actress and years have have shown that i'm completely wrong and don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> um and she's you know she definitely has weight and intelligence and uh and and uh, a good a good understanding and a of 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 human relations and and how to to manage these books and get them into something that that you can watch and still, you know, not feel alienated from the book. Absolutely. And in this particular project, she found herself the partnership made in heaven with Kerry Washington, who also is a producer and her counterpart as uh, the two protagonists here. Yes. And it is a match absolutely made in heaven, don't you think? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, the chemistry between these two and the, 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 the character of Elena Richardson that Reese Witherspoon plays, how hard in the first episode that she's trying to get Mia Warren, who is the character that Carrie Washington plays, to just like her. And Carrie Washington, the Mia Warren character, is just very much reserved and very much has a wall up and very much is not giving her anything that she wants. And I just I adore the the chemistry between the two of these because it's like, you know, you see the character of Elena Richardson being like, well, why don't you just like me right. internally? Right. 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 <laughs> and Mia Warren being like, look, that's not how I roll. Yeah. I got to know something about you first. I am a cautious person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, 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 I mean, we, we're going to have fun talking about this and, uh, you know, there's no spoiler alert thing always comes up when we get into this part of, of, of our show, but Jojo, please do us the favor and tell everybody 
a synopsis of the show and uh, why we like it. Uh, let's see. Well, this it's, it's set in 1997, um, and there are flashbacks and things like that, but the, the whole premise of the story is set in the late 90s. So um, a very familiar world, but also amazingly how distant a world it is at the same time. It is about a town that was one of the first planned communities in America and planned in a very interesting sense. And it's, it's based about the, the sort of perfect, picture-perfect, all-American family of the Richardsons and a single mother and her daughter, Mia and Pearl, who show up in the lives of the Richardsons and all of the different stacked dominoes that kind of fall apart and, and, and let you see that per perfection is maybe not what you want and maybe perfection is not actually even happening. The little fires everywhere are kind of little cracks everywhere too. So uh, it's a very, very interesting and, and good, good series. It is, it is, and what a perfect summation of it, because as the two different families collide, it certainly leaves <laughs> a lot of little fires everywhere, even though at the end of the day, you realize where uh, little fires everywhere as a title comes to play a part in the show. Yes. But just there to fill up a gap but there was a depth to each character and each character had a story to tell and that story was told and i know i say this all the time but now i am i'm fascinated by i mean if the series was so well done so well exposed each character I am simply curious to see how how did it go for the book, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this book had a mixed reception in that, you know, I suppose a lot of people were trying to that tried to read this book were looking for a happy story, and it just went a little too dark for them. And those are the ones that actually write reviews. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's definitely not that kind of book. And, and the series is sort of an indictment to, one, to perfectionism, to judgmentalism, and at the same time to what you said, the idea that, we should all think about what we do because at the end of the day, we all live in a glass house and throwing stones might, you know, come back and bite us in the ass. Yep. And so let's go and analyze a little bit of the characters if you are up for it, Georgia. Of course. And then we'll go on and, and look at the cast. The fascinating Elena Richardson, on the surface, she is, as you said, the all-American mom with a successful family uh, from a successful town. And she herself has a bit of a history 
in the town as, you know, as her mother and her grandparents, because the town likes to think of its of itself as the first progressive, I suppose, the first progressive township in terms of integration and all kinds of politics and, and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> yeah. And so there are a few things that we see in Elena Richardson that it gives you pause because you cannot deter determine at the end of the day if she is entirely a terrible person or if she is someone who is constantly flailing to show what is expected of her, to, 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 to accomplish what is expected of her. And who set up that, those expectations from her? Is that, is that a fair question to ask? Is, is Elena someone who put pressures on herself or is that part of her upbringing? Is, is that something you can see? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a very good question because she is she's certainly someone I think and also with a different actress you could just write off as horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um but Reese Witherspoon definitely brings a nuance to her character and makes you think okay, she's horrible, but is she just horrible or did she have something really horrible happen to her? You know, what was her family like? What was her upbringing like? What what made her like this as opposed to just, well, she was born crappy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we always talk about that, right? We always talk about like, there is no such thing as, you know, this person has always been horrible and, you know, there's a backstory to how people get to be the way they are. Yes. But in the case of Elena, I really don't know because there were moments where you could see some goodness in her. But at the same time, she was an egomaniac. Very much so. And I I feel as though a lot of the moments where you could see the goodness also fed into her, her mania, her self-mania, that she could pat herself on the back and say, I'm I'm good because I did that. Exactly. You know, it wasn't it wasn't pure altruism in the sense of I'm just doing this because I'm I'm a good person or I'm just doing this because because there was also so she could have the kind of self-gratification to say, even if it was just to herself, I'm a good person. I did that. Right. It was it was to feed her own ego to to to, as you said, to be able to fall asleep at night thinking that she, you know, has a place in heaven. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But the the intention, the good intention of, you know, I'm just going to do this because it is the right thing to do very seldom was there for her. And so, because the whole story starts with her, by, for, for example, making a horrible assumption about Mia coming to town because, you know, African-American lady sleeping in her car, <laughs> you know. And yes. so, and, and then afterwards, it sounds like, it sounds like she herself decided, oh, I have to make reparations because I made these assumptions and now I've shown to myself how horrible of a person I can be and I have to make amends. And that's where things started to go horribly wrong. Yes. But okay, so 
there's more we can say about about Elena, but when it comes to her counterpart, Mia Warren, played by Kerry Washington, I also see a little bit of the of the dynamic of Glass House in that Mia Warren, even when she decided to do the right thing, I'm not entirely convinced that she did the right thing for, as you said, altruism, but rather to prove to herself that she wasn't a horrible person for doing what she she had done a few years ago. And yeah. so even when we, we are trying to find some virtue in Mia Warren, it's hard to find it. It's hard to understand. I don't know. I felt a lot of sympathy for things that she'd gone through when I realized what her story was about. But I'm still... I still had a hard time saying, I understand what, why she did what she did. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I agree with you completely. I, I think that, that Mia Warren is, is sort of could have been Elena Richardson if she'd had the same upbringing. Like yeah. they, they, they have the same tendencies towards narcissism, some of the same tendencies towards, you know, perfectionism and that sort of thing. It's just Mia had a different upbringing and is interpreting those in a different manner than Elena. So to a certain extent, it was almost as two people looking at each other in the mirror. Yes, yes. Two sides of the same coin. Yes, yes. And at one point, I realized, okay, so Elena Richardson has to be in control of everything in order for her to think, to appreciate the world she lives in. If she's not in control, if she's not pulling the strings, she she goes into complete unraveling, isn't it? Yes. But then I started seeing those same defects in Mia. And the more I learned about her story, the more I understood, right, but okay, so yeah, she, she's, not, she's not entirely different. And it's hard to talk about this without, you know, spoiling it, you know what I mean? But I, know. I, <laughs> <laughs> I do hope that our listeners go and watch this show because even if we had to do a follow-up episode about this series where we could, you know, have a freer conversation about it because, you know, there's fewer people to spoil it for. But these two characters are some of the most complex personalities I've ever seen. And I have a hard time trying to figure out who else could have played those characters. I can't think of anyone. I I cannot think of anyone. Carrie Washington. I I love Carrie Washington. My I always God. have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and I feel like everything she touches is just made better by her being there. But I, I, you know, hats off, of course, to the writers for all of the writers for writing such great characters. But I can't see anybody else playing the character of Mia, and also having such beautiful chemistry between her and Elena with Reese Witherspoon. So I, I just carry Washington and Reese Witherspoon carry this completely. Not that anybody else is, 
you know, slacking off by any oh, means. No. There's some, there's, everybody's great, but, but the, the two of these, they're, they just, they're amazing, strong, dynamic, fascinating, flawed characters. It's, it's, it's a good series. Yes. And so let's talk a, a little bit about how Elena's personality influenced the upbringing of her kids, because these are four f absolutely fascinating kids. And in each way, they have some similarities to Elena, yes. except for Easy. And I think, so I'll, I'll, I'll take this back. I think there are two of the kids that are more so like the father than, than they are, than they are Elena. And I'm talking about Trip and Izzy. Yeah. But Moody gave the appearance of being a very well put together young man. But at the end of the day, he also was a, a, a megalomaniac. <laughs> yes. And Lexi, was an absolute photocopy of Elena. Uh, completely. A complete photocopy. And so, of course, the favorite, the golden child. Yes, the golden child. And the crazy thing for me is that there is no one thing that she did. There's no one action she took that you didn't see Elena behind it, that, that you couldn't see. Oh, that's exactly what her mother would have done. Yes. You know, there's, there's nothing, nothing, absolutely. Because Elena's ability to take control, Elena's need to be in control is more so that she, she's more like a puppeteer, isn't it? Like, it's an idea that everything has to move when I say so. Mm -hmm. So I see Bill, the husband, as some dude who, there was one moment that I understood, Bill, based on a conversation he had with Izzy, when he said, you have so many years more to go, just put your, head, your head down, down. and, you know, survive it, basically. Yes. And I feel like this is a dude that, that had, for the longest time, been doing that. Like, you know what? I'm going to pick my fights, and I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just gonna put my head down and 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 go through it. Yes. You know. Yes, I think that sums him up perfectly. That he was just uh, I don't know, essentially a silent guy who did everything he could to fly under the radar, but at the same time, you know, achieve in his job and that sort of thing and be successful, but never do anything that's really going to cause huge attention to himself in the right. terms of like uh, ruffling any feathers or anything like that. He's, he's just, and the, like you said, was conversation with Izzy completely showed that just it's, you've only got three and a half years and you can be whatever you want to be something like that. Um, yeah. Just keep your head down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, the last words of that conversation is what shows you how much Easy as the youngest child had observed her entire family and basically described them in her head that she knew who she was living with and she knew exactly what everyone was made of because once her father said that her answer was like is that what you just what is that what you're doing yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah you know. yeah but yeah 
And the answer is, I would say, is yes. I'm waiting until you all are up and out of the house, and then I can go live my life. Yes, I'm out too. <laughs> you know, because it's it's impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. You know, and it's amazing to me how, like I said, when you first meet Moody, he looks like a very kind and caring young man. Yes. But he's incredibly arrogant, and he is as perverse in his intentions as his mother. And so, yeah. but the thing is that in, in Moody, that doesn't show until such time when he sees himself losing, right? And he completely underestimated his brother's intelligence and it's not necessarily because his brother is stupid is because he he thinks that he is smarter than everybody else yes and and because the brother was his own competition well the brother was stupid meanwhile some of the most some of the deepest conversations some of the the most thoughtful things in few words were said by trip Yes. to Pearl. And I was like, this kid is not stupid at all. No, he's, uh, I think he w was playing the game. Yeah. Um, the whole know, flying play. under the radar thing, isn't it? Yes. 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 Playing the game and playing it very well. Yes. Yes. And uh, whereas Moody was more like, the I'm gonna show everybody that I'm you know, he was the perfect middle child kid. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. I'm more than you, even though they can't see it, but you know, I'm just waiting for the moment to show them who I am and that you you you're never gonna be better than me. Yeah. You know. And so uh, when it comes to Bibi Child, let's talk about Bibi Child. Yes. What a beautiful little character. What a strong yet sensitive character she, she she managed to play. So that's one loop in this in this series, playing Bibi Child. She um I think best supporting actress should be something there for her. If I was I, I would say there are for best supporting actress, I would nominate a couple of people. <laughs> Number one is gonna be Pearl, the the child, the girl that, who played Pearl, who her name is actually Lexi, her real name. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Lexi Underwood. It's confusing on set every so often. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Am I right? <laughs> as soon as I saw her name, I was like, yeah, that must have been hell. <laughs> she be called Pearl and then there's a character named Lexi and your <laughs> real name is Lexi. Uh. So I, don't, I don't think, I mean, I, I feel like there's always going to be a part of us that reacts to our name when we hear it, even if we know, okay, that's, that's not me, you know, I'm playing a part or whatever. There's going to be a part of our brain that's like, what? Huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I keep thinking to myself, this girl is about 13, 14 years old. I think she wasn't even 15 at the time that the film is, but the way she goes toe to toe with an actress like Kerry Washington and so convincing, so poignant. Every time these two ladies were in front of the camera, 
I wanted more. Yeah. When she confronted Mia Warren, it was like, I'm with you, child. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. She's, yes. she's a wonderful little actress, isn't she? Yes. Yes, she is. And the character of Pearl, I really had a lot of affection for Pearl. I, I wanted her to be safe. I wanted her to be happy. I didn't really feel that very much for most of the Richardson kids. I didn't, I didn't get that sort of instinct, but I, I, I wanted Pearl to be happy. And uh, so Lexi Underwood is, is, is great. And I, I really look forward to seeing the rest of her career because she's obviously demonstrated how good she is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, so that's my first, like the first name I would drop in any, you know, best reporting actors contest. And the second one for me would be Wong Lu as Bibi Chow. Yes. She was, she was sort of, you know, vulnerable, but insanely badass. <laughs> yes. And her last action showed that. Yes. You know, and lastly, Megan Stott as Izzy Richardson, I think also stole a lot of good moments in the show. Yes. She's also a young kid and I, I don't know how you can be so good at that age. You know, it's amazing. There's, there's so many good, child actors i feel like they're so much better than they were when i was a kid i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you on that <laughs> it's like damn man make me make me feel ashamed <laughs> <Yeah. Right? laughs> like man my generation sucked as actors my but <laughs> goodness yes yes so there were a couple of faces that I was really happy to have seen in the show. And like I said, there was no character that didn't kind of, that you could say, I didn't see anything there. You know, like Sarita, Sarita Chaudhary was in there for a few times and loved seeing there for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sarita Chaudhary. Love her. And Annie Canoni Rose playing that Pauline Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. The opening, the very first time we see Pauline Hawthorne when she is giving that sort of like first class master class at the School of Art, that was incredibly convincing. And for for longest time, I couldn't figure out who the actress was because I've never seen Annie Canoni Rose in such a feminine role. Annika Noni Rose always plays like the badass lesbian police officer, you know, DEA agent and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, like you know, from the wire to power to like, anytime you see her, she is tattooed and, you know, with, with cornrows and shit and kicking ass and stuff. You know what I mean? So I was like... <laughs> yes. So Pauline Hawthorne is actually Annika Noni Rose. That is marvelous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that, that speech, that class, that master class that she dictated there was yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Byron Mann, as the lawyer for B.B. Chow, also stole all of his sins, right? Yeah. Cross-examining and presenting his case and making that, I mean... 
I, I, at some point, I even thought, yeah, baby child won. <laughs> you know, <laughs> baby child won. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, though, there was something that the character played by Joshua Jackson, Bill Richardson, said that people like baby child never win. Yeah. Did you, did, how, how did that strike you? Like, I mean, I actually paused for a moment and I'm like, that must be exactly what they all think of the poor and the, those who don't have their resources. You know what I mean? It, and that's, that's, that's the thing in, in their world, in that particular bubble, baby Chow never will win. Yeah. And, and he's right that, you know, people like her don't win in that world, in that bubble. They, they won't, they never will yeah. because it's, it's not, the system isn't set up for that to happen. And as much as it's what morally, humanly should happen, it never will. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much to, there's so much to the dialogue. And again, that brings me back to the book. Is that what the book reflects? I want to know. And I have to get this book. Jojo, we have to read this book and see if, if at once or for once a series is better than the book or the book is as good or better than the series. Cause I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am curious too. And I have not read this book. So, um, I'm familiar with the author, but I haven't read this particular book. So yeah, I, I'm very, like you, I, I would like to read the book. I would, you know, a big, if it's, if it, I think the, the writers of the series deserve a lot of praise too. Oh, yes. And, uh, and the directors too, of course, very sad that we just recently lost, I guess the main director really of the series, Lynn Shelton just passed away. Is that so? Yeah, she, um, she did just pass away. So oh, she, wow. she, uh, so it's sad that we've lost Lost some talent there, and uh, but she's got a good legacy. Oh, wow. she's got a great legacy. So, but yeah, the production values on this, from acting to directing to writing to costume design, it was. It's just. It's a. It's a great little series. Yes. Yes. And and. Finally, even though there, there are more characters to talk about, but I, I want to talk a bit about this kid. His name is Stavonte Hart. He played Brian, Lexi's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That conversation in the bedroom, in Lexi's bedroom, was like I wanted to adopt this kid. Yeah. I'm like, I want, yeah, I want this kid to be my son. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because he, he was, I, I think he was the only one who showed Lexi who she was. Yeah. And Lexi wasn't ready for that. And Lexi wasn't willing to look at the, at herself in the mirror that Brian was showing her. And it falls into the conversation of, people who are unable to see color because, you know, I don't see color. <laughs> I remember when 
Colbert's had the Colbert report. It, it was one of his lines was, "I don't see colors." Uh, you know, I'm told that I'm white, but I don't know that. <laughs> 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 and you know, a lot of people think that's that's a good thing, and it is more common than than you expect. The folks who think that. Not being racist is the ability to not see color as opposed to, yeah, that's not what it's all about. It is the idea that you can see my color and that doesn't mean anything to you. That doesn't, that doesn't make you see me as less than I am, you know? Right. And when he confronted Lexi and asked her, so, but do you see me as a black man? And her answer was like, why do we have to make this about race? And at some point she said something about like, I'm not a horrible person. And, and this is why race discussion has always been a difficult issue for people is because people tend to relate racism with being a horrible person. But that's not necessarily the case. No, that's true. not necessarily the case. It's racism to most people is wrapped in such oblivion that it is almost impossible for them to realize when they're being racist. I mean, you can see that with Elena Richardson, that you, she would argue with you from here to kingdom come that she wasn't a racist person. And for all, for all intents and purposes, she probably wasn't. She did say a lot of shit that were racist. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. I, I think that for some people they have in their head that if, and this is just my interpretation, but they have in their head that if they aren't wearing a hood and, and burning a flag and saying the N word, then they aren't racist. And that's not true. <laughs> it, it isn't. Um, you, you know, yeah, I mean, you can, and, and some, you can be racist and not even realize you're racist because of the way you were bro brought up, perhaps with prejudice or the, the area you grew up in, or, you know, th these things can happen and we, we don't even have any idea. But I think that a lot of, of white people especially have in their head, well, you know, I'm not a member of the KKK, so therefore I'm, I'm not a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's I mean, that's, of course, one interpretation of it. But that is a very, very cut and dried interpretation of it. It's much more nuanced than that. It's much more. So it's 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 much more than just being white and being black. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And, and that takes away from the conversation that takes that takes away from the ability to have the conversation, right? Because, you know, you are accusing me of being, uh, being a horrible person and I'm not. Like, no, nobody's saying that, actually. We, right. We are saying that there are some things in your attitude that are perceived as racist and are racist. There are shit that you will say to somebody that are racist shit to say. Yes. You know, and I'm glad that the novel written by an Asian American and the series of an entirely diverse cast was able to 
tackle this conversation in a way that I hope when people watch it, they understand what has been said all along is that don't get defensive when this conversation comes up. And yeah. the things that you are told, do you remember, I, 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 I think we had, we've had these conversations before when I, I've told you, like, you know, when people say to me, well, that wasn't, why is that racist? How is that racist? I didn't see it as racist at all. And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I've been a black man for 45 years and you haven't, <laughs> you know. Right, right, exactly. That's, 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 uh, that's the perfect point to make is, is, okay, you don't think it's racist because you've never experienced racism. So <laughs> if I say it is, it is. Yeah, you might want to think about it a little bit more. And so, yeah. you know, and so the whole idea of getting, well, I, that's not the way I perceived it. My dude, yes, there's a reason why you shouldn't, you wouldn't perceive it that way because it's, it's no, it's no, your experience, right? Yeah. So I think this series put it there in, 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 in very beautifully, if you will. I think it did too. And I think it also addressed a bit of sexism and misogyny as well. Oh, yes. With, you know, the lead characters being female and because that's another thing too, I think that you could argue was was well shown yes is, you know the idea of the little woman at home or or perhaps the the artist and 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 how the perceptions were changed yes. of people's view of the two characters um because of that uh, that i don't think would have had anything to do would have had any effect whatsoever if the characters had been male oh yeah absolutely and as a matter of fact as you said uh, as you you remember Elena's biggest problem with Mia was the fact that she took the freedom to do the things that she wanted to do, to live the life that she wanted to live, as opposed to, you know, like Elena couldn't, basically couldn't fathom the idea that you could be a good mother and do things for yourself and do things that benefit you, Yes, (laughs) you know. Because the yes. entire motherhood thing was a sacrificial kind of shit. And that shows, as you said, that there is a lot more of misogyny that is ingrained in the psyche of women based on on the patriarchy idea that mm-hmm. let men be mm-hmm. men you know there's a there's a conversation there you know like let men be men and why do why can't you you know there's nothing wrong with that you know what i mean and yeah the other character was like no i'll do whatever the fuck i want and i'll raise my child yeah. as i please <laughs> you know yes so yes the the series tackles a lot of social conversations that are still incomplete in america and are shouldn't be taboo issues to talk about freely. Somehow we find ourselves avoiding those, you know. Yeah. And so and that's a shame. It is a damn shame. Yeah. Because it is. It is. You know, the the societies that have opened up to those conversations, those hard conversations, have moved on and and have begun to heal. You know. If you look at 
I'm not saying that it's perfect, but if you look at conversation that took place in South Africa during uh, the presidency of Nelson Mandela, for instance, the reconciliation conversations that took place. But there was a, a willingness on both ends to to recognize where damage had been done and to apologize. And yeah, and it, it was a desire to move on. You know, yeah. so uh, hopefully we'll get there one day. Don't, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> we can hope. Yeah, we can yeah. hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jojo. This was by far, as I said, one of the best series I've seen. And I don't have hope that we will see something like that this year again, because as I mentioned before, you know, COVID-19 came and, and, and everything had to go on to a stop. And the fate of Fall TV this week I was reading is really in the air, <laughs> Yeah, you know. As you said, a lot of animated shit. That's what we're going to be. So um, if, we were, if we were to give a, a few stars to this show, what, what would you put it at? Oh, I would say uh, five, honestly. You know, if we're going to go on a five-star system, I, I would give it five. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It was a well-done, well-produced, well-acted well timed and uh, it's worth watching it's, it's only eight episodes isn't it mm-hmm. yep eight episodes eight episodes so please go watch little fires everywhere and tell us what you think yes and at the same time we want to ask you to you know go and follow us on uh, all the social media instagram facebook twitter pinterest and also our our website, kickinginstrumentpodcast.com. On Instagram, you can find Jocelyn as... Jocelyn Podcast. And yes, me, I am Mr. Puzzetta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. I think that's it for us, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> as usual, Jojo, fantastic episode. Thank you, and hoping to host this show with you soon in the same studio at some point. Yes, uh, this, this is getting ridiculous. I know this is this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. <laughs> All right, enjoy the rest of your day, Jojo. Uh, you too. Thank you, Graham. Yeah. Bye. Bye.